So I hope your heart's prepared to receive the word because this is so practical. I mean, when you think about what we have on the screen up there, as our faith is tested, we must fix our eyes on the foot washer. I mean, this discussion today is so not the norm in our culture. Foot washing. Servant mentality in the body of Christ. This is against the norm. What am I talking about? Well, in a culture that emphatically declares, climb the social ladder at all costs. Man, this discussion is not the MO. This is not the normal protocol. In a culture that emphatically affirms, Lead with a strong arm and don't stress about those who you have to step over or even step on in the process. Whew. This discussion is, is bizarre. This discussion is just flat awkward for many. All right, so in a culture that emphatically states, put yourself out there and show the world what you've got. This discussion today from John 13, it doesn't seem to fit that mentality at all. In a culture that emphatically asserts, advance you, because you are so amazing. This discussion today just goes so strongly against the grain. Even as we open our Bibles, all right? So let's just think the, the, the text of Scripture, the, the biblical narrative. This is even the persuasion of our own hearts as born-again followers of Jesus Christ. What do we like to highlight? I'm just going to say, we naturally like to gravitate towards Jesus, the supreme rescuer. Jesus, the preeminent one. Jesus, the promised conqueror. Jesus, the cornerstone of the church. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's where our heart likes to go. But then John 13 hits us over the head. And we read it and we're like, ugh. What did I just read? Jesus, the foot washer. It doesn't come off our tongues quite as easily. It kind of makes us purse our lips a little bit, furl our eyebrow, and slightly cringe. Is this really a thing? It seems contrary to real-life function in a real-life world. It is rather uncomfortable and even embarrassing to talk about where Jesus, the Savior of the world, is scrubbing feet. However, brothers and sisters in Christ here today, friends, you know it. We know this. That this discussion is what Christianity is built on. We will never fully grasp what true Christianity is without this discussion. Biblical Christianity hinges on the reality that Jesus Christ was a servant. Jesus was a washer of Stinky feet. So, as contrary as it might be to the popular thinking in the culture around us, let's jump into this text today 
But even before we go to that text, when we talk about Jesus the servant, if you think back to what we've studied the last year, probably a certain text is coming to your mind right now, as it should. What is this text? Well, when we're talking about foot washing and we talk about Jesus' ministry on this earth, we have to go to Philippians chapter 2. You don't have to turn there per se, it's on the back of your handout, but if you want to, we're certainly welcome to, but would you just listen keenly as I read through this, these well-known verses to see how Jesus is highlighted by Paul to the church of Philippians, a church that is struggling with unity, and to see how Jesus serves well. Philippians chapter 2, I'm just going to read verses 3 through 8. The church is exhorted with this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in, what's the next word? Humility. Count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And now we get the picture of Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, parentheses there, he emptied himself, not of his nature, but of his divine privilege. He cannot empty himself of his nature, or else he would cease to be the Savior of the world. And continue on in verse 7. He emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he, here's the word again, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. All right, with that in mind, the study that we've already gone through the book of Philippians, unity through humility, I want us to step into the life of Jesus Christ, to see Philippians 2 come alive in a very real sense, a real life story in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. What's happening in John 13? We discussed this a bit bit last week. We were in the upper room last week. Well, let's return to the upper room because that's where this is happening. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. He's about to participate in the Passover meal. I'm not going to get into the discussion about the timing of all of that. Uh, There's so many good discussions about that. But I believe they are participating in the Passover meal as was consistent with their culture, especially Galilean culture. They are participating in what's known as the Lord's Supper. If you go to Luke 22, this says a lot about what's happening here. Luke 22, you don't need to turn there, just maybe write it down. Luke 22 says a lot of what's going on here. And Jesus Christ is, is, is essentially officially initiating what's known as the New Covenant. Right. Lots of different opinions about what the New Covenant looks like, but definitely has some persuasion of what's happening in this text. Just look at the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 22. By the way, in just a minute, we're going to see this whole concept of cleansing is found in Ezekiel chapter 36, and I believe Jesus Christ himself is making a dynamic connection from Ezekiel 36, promise of the essential elements of the new covenant, to the Lord's Supper and the new covenant believer. But at any rate, Jesus is preparing for the reality of the cross. Think about this. What's happening in that upper room? 
In the next 15 hours, Jesus would be betrayed. Jesus Christ would be denied. Much of this happening before the sun even rose. Jesus would be accused. Jesus would be beaten severely. Jesus would be sentenced. And Jesus would be crucified. This is the night before the morning of His crucifixion. In just 24 hours, Jesus' body would be laid in a tomb. And what is Jesus Christ doing in the upper room? He's washing disciples' feet. Blows my mind. What about the disciples in the upper room? What's going on with the disciples? Well, they don't know what's coming. I mean, they still have this mentality of, Jesus, you're going to dynamically set up your kingdom. Just kill those Romans. Set all the Jews right. Here it comes. Oh, man. In fact, that, that, that mentality is so strong that in the upper room, if you look in Luke 22, what are the disciples talking about? I'm going to be the, I'm going to have the key seat in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, yeah, you think you will. Nope, I got it. They're comparing themselves. They're arguing among themselves who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. With that in mind, let's, let's read John chapter 13. This argument of, of greatness. This anticipation of, oh, I'm going to be at his right hand. I'm going to be leading this crew. Here's what happens. John chapter 13, if you look with me at verse 1, and I'll just read through this text. I'll try to hold back from a lot of commentary. Verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved... Okay, quick, I said I was going to hold back on commentary. (laughs) We didn't even make it through a half of a verse. Sorry. But maybe you can circle that word love. That's enough of commentary. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Okay, what does true love look like? Let's, look a bit, let's see what it says here. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. We're going to see in just a minute that that verse is in there for a reason. It seems to break the flow of what's happening here. No, it's in there for a reason. Verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He had come from God and was going back to God, He rose from supper, He laid aside His outer garments, and taking a towel, He tied it around His waist. Then He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around Him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but after you, afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet or wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Well, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head also. I just wish I could be in that scenario right there. Just this discussion and all the other apostles sitting around there just smirking like, come on, just shut your mouth, Peter. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, or to him, the one who is bathed does not need 
to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. And why does he say not every one of you? Verse 11, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said not all of you are clean. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, pick up your jaws off the floor for a second and let me talk. That's not what it says. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. What an amazing and, quite frankly, just a curious text. What is happening here? Well, what we're going to do today is just look at some of these descriptions of the foot washer from this text. And really, it's broken into three pretty simple uh, concepts here. Three simple movements of what Jesus is doing. So let's just take some time and analyze those movements, starting with this. As the foot washer, Jesus served others selfishly. Okay, that is the actual storyline. That is what's happening here. If you go back, now we can make a little bit of commentary. Let's just return to verses 1 through 5 and talk of it. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. Okay, as I said just a minute ago, this is, one, this is a key word in the entire text. Love. How do we love the way Jesus loves? In this very same discussion, Jesus says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So how do we love this way? What is this love? The world around us so quickly says this love is basically brought down, trickled down to an emotion or a feeling. That is completely contrary to what's happening in this text. Love is not simply an emotion or a feeling. It is a decision to selflessly sacrifice. That is what biblical love is. That is the love of Christ. And that is what Jesus is now teaching to his disciples. As we pick up the wordage there in the rest of verse uh, 1 there. He loved them to the end, is the last couple words of that verse. To the end. What does that mean? I think you could say it like this. He loved them to the max. Some people think it might mean to the cross. I think more necessarily is he showed them how to really, really love. This is how you really show love, his sacrifice. During supper, here's the setting. During supper, when the the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, and here's the step-by-step process of what Jesus did. He rose from supper, 
Insert in there if you would like, Luke 22, while the disciples were arguing about who was awesome. He laid aside his garments, his outer garments. He took up a towel. He tied it around his waist. And then as the room started to become quiet because they were wondering, Jesus, what are you doing? He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. What is this? Simply this. Jesus is participating personally in one of the lowliest jobs in the entire household. We need to grasp that. In this culture, sandals were the primary means of protection, okay? Socks weren't really a, a thing. Closed uh, toed or closed faced shoes weren't really the norm. So feet were vulnerable to dust, to dirt, to mud, to manure, to stench. Even for those who had been recently bathed, as they walked around on the roads or even went from house to house, they would dirty their feet. Foot washing wasn't just, I mean, think about it this way. Foot washing wasn't just like a foot rinsing. I think sometimes we get that in our mind. It's like, pour a little water on there, and hey, you're good, and a little water here. It was like more like a foot scrubbing. There's a reason he took the towel. This was a serious deal. Why was this important? Well, let's just consider what they would have done around the table. All right, in our minds, we have these neatly set, this neatly set table with chairs all around it. That was not this culture. It was more like a, a lounging in this culture. No eating uh, on chairs necessarily or benches, maybe in some situations, but it was more reclining. Many times it was head to foot reclining. So practically foot washing was absolutely essential for the well-being of relationships. I might add, some things never change. (laughs) This is definitely the case today. Nobody wants a friend whose feet smell like they have marinated in barn juice. (laughs) We we just don't like that. That that was this culture. I mean, I I think of examples, and and this is not the norm. I I have a daughter who particularly cringes any time feet like this are shown. In fact, she's probably been cringing the last five minutes. Like, Dad, would you take that picture off? But the stench isn't, you can't even see the stench on this foot. But I can imagine the stench is just reeking off of this, this deal. So in our minds, though, what is this correlated to? Our family spent quite a bit of time at camps or working at a, a ranch, a, a dude ranch, Christian dude ranch. And one of the jobs that people don't like is, 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 is dishwashing. You've got to take care of everybody's mess. And after like an hour of dishwashing, you're done. But there's a job that even trumps that when it comes to grossness. Who's going to volunteer to clean the bathrooms? People split. It's gross. Okay, that was this job in our minds, if we want to correlate that to a present case. That was this job. Who's going to do the foot washing and all of the servants split? And the lowly guy's like, ugh, I got all 13 of them. 12 and Jesus. But then Jesus does this. 
Jesus Christ himself is the one taking the role of the lowliest person in the house. What's the simple point? This is an expression of true love. These disciples were absolutely consumed with one thing at this point. Themselves. And Jesus lays aside his outer garments, takes up a towel, girds himself, and starts scrubbing. True Christ-like love means sacrificial service. In fact, what's the adverse of this? Okay? If we think about the opposite of this, brothers and sisters, if we do not serve selflessly, we are not really participating in Christ's love. Do you understand that? Christ's love means we sacrifice sometime, somewhere, somehow with Jesus' people. Being creative, looking for needs, finding needs, and serving practically, even if it's behind the scenes. That is the way of Jesus Christ. And the whole point in this passage is, as the foot washer, Jesus showed us the way of love and served others selflessly. Let's continue, though. Because that's not the end of the story. I absolutely love this part of service, though. And let's look at this point. As the foot washer, Jesus showed care for the true spiritual need. I'm going to find this in verses 6 through 11. What do we mean here? I'm going to say there's a mentality in Christian circles that says if you set up mercy need type ministry, check, you're done. You understand what I'm saying? If you go out and feed the poor, if you go do practical mercy ministry needs, soup kitchen stuff, orphanage stuff, if you do this stuff, check, you're good. I'm going to tell you, those are all absolutely necessary. We're called to do those things in the body of Christ. Christians are called to do those things. But the story doesn't stop with serving food. The story doesn't stop with practical mercy needs, ministry needs. As Jesus shows us directly here in this text, the discussion that follows is so beautiful. And let's see it in verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do not wash my feet. Or he said, do you wash my feet? Question. Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. A couple weeks ago we talked about this this construction in the Greek, um, which is the strongest negation basically in the New Testament Greek. That's used here by Peter. You will never, ever, 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 ever wash my feet, Jesus. No way, Jose. Jesus answered him, Peter, if I, he said, if, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. What did Jesus just do? He just take, took a very practical, physical discussion and went to the heart of the spiritual matter. He said, okay, we're talking about a physical thing here, but I'm going to take this discussion deeper. Something that lasts for eternity. Peter said to, uh, Simon, verse 9, um, Simon Peter said to him, and he still didn't get it. Peter didn't get it. Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Just wash me down, Jesus. Jesus said to him, 
The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. We'll talk about that phrase in just a minute. He says, are you clean? And, and you are clean, but not every one of you. Why? Because Judas Iscariot was there, as is indicated in the next verse. Judas was not a follower of Jesus Christ. He was a follower in action, but not in heart. He had not embraced the way of Jesus Christ. What is this? Now, there's so many thoughts. If you want a fun project, read the commentaries on this section. <laughs> All over the map. And, and simply this. There's a, a, an essential spiritual symbolism of cleansing going on here. Jesus is bringing the spiritual cleansing into the picture here. Okay, And in my opinion, why he's doing that is because he's making a connection with an Old Testament text. This is Ezekiel chapter 36, talking about the dynamics of the new covenant. In Luke 22, he states that this is the new covenant in my blood. Now he's talking about the cleansing of the new covenant in the same discussion. Listen to what Ezekiel 36, 25, 27 says. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. How does that whole discussion start in verse 25? I will sprinkle clean water upon you or on you. Jesus is making a dynamic connection here to the new covenant. In a very practical way, he's taking a physical action and digging deep into the spiritual essential conversation. For those of us who have embraced and who like to jump into New Testament texts, in Titus chapter 3, this comes alive. You know this verse, not because of works done by our own righteousness, but according to his own mercy he saved us. And here's how this mercy is described. By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's what's happening here. Jesus is taking the discussion to a spiritual level. So in John 13, Christ refers very specifically, hold on for a second, to a full bath. He's talking about a full bath. In our minds, I, I believe this is symbolic of true salvation. What are we talking about? We're talking about positional justification. If you have interacted with Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross, which was about to happen, this is a declaration of righteousness. This cleansing which these, with these followers of Jesus, these disciples were in starting to understand more and more, following Jesus Christ, putting their faith in Jesus Christ. But beyond that, I believe this foot washing has something symbolic about it. I believe this is symbolic of a believer's participation in regular, daily cleansing through the Word, known best as progressive sanctification. You understand what I'm talking about? We're daily, we're interacting in a dirty world. I mean, you've probably been there. Where you head out into life and you start your day off with God and you're stoked to head out as an as a, as a evangelist of Jesus Christ, the righteous. And you start interacting with people during your day, the, the words that are said, the communication that happens. Maybe you close out your day at a place and you're like, oh, I just feel dirty. You ever been there? 
and you want to run home, and what do you want to do when you run home? I need to get into the Word of God again. I need the daily cleansing of the Word of God. I, th- I think that's what this text is talking about. Well, by the way, we must remember where all of this happens. What makes all of this possible? What makes all of this possible is what's happened the next morning. The cross of Jesus Christ. Very clearly, Jesus says to Peter, what I am doing you don't understand now, but after your word you'll understand. In other words, hey, after the resurrection, I'm going to come back and talk to you about this. You're, you're going to know what I'm doing right here. You're going to understand more of what's happening here. Okay, what's the takeaway? Uh, that was a lot. This section, even though I just talked on it for about five minutes, we could talk on that for like five weeks, maybe five months. What's the takeaway, though? What's the the simple takeaway for you and for me today? Very practically, what has happened? We must recognize that Jesus cared for more than just the physical aspect of foot washing. He cared for the soul. This is so appropriate for you and me. Let us never think that our gospel mandate has been fulfilled through simple acts of kindness. Yes, those are necessary, but let us pray God's grace as we dig deep into the spiritual lives of those we come into contact with and pray that God would meet their spiritual needs. Two parts of the equation here, physical and spiritual need. And by grace, as we live out the example of Jesus Christ, we won't neglect either. All right, that was more of a deeper point. Let's go from this. As, as the foot washer, Jesus served others selflessly. As the foot washer, Jesus showed concern for the true spiritual need that was happening there. And let's go to the last one. This is like the built-in so what of the text. Okay, why did Jesus do this? This is not just a cute story of a loving Jesus that warms our tender little hearts. This is to be lived out by you and me daily in our own lives. Look with me, if you would, please, at verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, he resumed his place. He said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? Do you understand what just happened? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example. Circle that word example. This template. I have showed you exactly how to live out Jesus. Live out the life of a Christian. I have showed you how to do it. That you should also Uh, The rest of verse 15. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. What is this? Jesus is saying, if I, the divine teacher from God, I am God, as we see in Philippians chapter 2, They're realizing this, I think, more and more all the time through the ministry of Jesus Christ. This is God in the flesh. As God in the flesh has done this to you, you should also do this. In other words, if I have washed your feet, don't you dare think that you're above this as well. 
You're called to do the exact same thing. Hey, guys, arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. You're not above this, so pick up your towel. Pick up your towel. Note with with me, would you note this? What's the extent of this? Just a minute ago, I called out the verse that says Judas Iscariot is mentioned here. Why is that in the text? Have you ever read that and thought, why is John, 90 years later, talking of this? Why? Think about it. Why? Well, through the Spirit, John particularly mentions these two names, Simon Peter and Judas Iscariot. Because what will they do before the sun rises? Their names are both called out in this text. One would betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. One would deny three times that he even knew Jesus. And in this text, what does Jesus Christ himself do? I can imagine he's scrubbing the the nastiness off of Judas's feet. He's looking at him in compassion, thinking, just a couple hours, you're going to be betraying me. Just a couple hours, you're going to be turning me over to those Jewish leaders. Okay, let's just jump right to the takeaway for you and for me. I think, again, in our minds, we're tempted to somewhat be exclusive in our foot washing. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I like you, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve you. That person, uh-uh. You will never see me serve that person. I mean, this just kind of makes us a little uncomfortable, does it not? That we are called, just like Jesus Christ, to serve people who will hurt us. People who, it's inevitable, they might turn on us. People who will say negative things about us. People who will do things that, that are contrary to kindness. People that will do things that are not the way that Jesus has taught us. And we are to serve them. That is the brunt of this story. Not only should we get messy and serve each other selflessly, but we should do it for those who might even turn around on us after we serve them. So what? I mean, this is a very familiar text. One that's contrary, one that makes us cringe a little bit, but so what? Can we just make this practical for the next five minutes? Well, it comes to this question. I don't want to leave this auditorium today without asking this question. I don't want to ever take for granted that everyone has been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Here's the question. Have you been washed? Just a minute ago, we talked about in this symbolism, this spiritual talk where Jesus directs it to the spiritual talk. He's talking about being bathed. Have you been cleansed? Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that only He could bring on the cross of Calvary. All right, there was a 39-year-old um, faithful minister of the Gospels in 1878. His name was Elisha Hoffman, and he wrote a song that is full of that question. And you know the song probably. Here's how he writes it. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? 
Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Just like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Maybe you were here, maybe you weren't. We find very clearly in the beginning part of this book, John, that John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. My friends, if you have never come to Jesus in faith, would today be the day? There's some young ones here that have done so well today listening. We're talking about some little critters. You guys are doing awesome. There's some teenagers here. There's some young adults here. There's some older uh, people here. There's midlife people here. Maybe in your life the last couple weeks you've been negotiating with this. Is this Jesus worth it? If I could stand here with a resounding, yes, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is the one who can cleanse your heart from the inside out. Friend, you don't have to get everything right on the outside so that now Jesus will want to wash you. No, he washes you first and then cleans up your life. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That is repentant faith. That is true faith, true cleansing from the inside out. And if you have not come to Jesus, would today be that day? But the questions don't stop there. I think as we close out, we could, we could say this, are you a foot washer? Are you a foot washer? And, and even before that, maybe I can re- retract just a little bit. Have you been washed? I don't want to miss this, okay? Let's go back for a second. Have you been washed? Yes, positionally, maybe in Christ through justification. But I'm going to ask you this. A secondary question, are you being washed regularly? What am I talking about? By the Spirit of God, using the Word of God to daily transform the child of God. What am I talking about? I love what Psalm 119 says, verses 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your Word. Amen. With my whole, uh, Your Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the verse prior to that says, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. There's some in here that have come to Jesus Christ by faith. You've been washed. You've taken a bath in Jesus Christ. But you know what? Your feet are pretty stinky. You've been wallowing in the ways of the world. Could I encourage you today? Come to Jesus. Let Him clean you. The washing of the water through the Word Now let's go to the next question. Are you a foot washer? Simply this. Brothers and sisters, can we stop comparing? (laughs) Can we resist the temptation by God's grace to argue about who is going to be the most amazing in the kingdom of God? And can we take up our towels and start washing? Take up our towels. In times of uncertainty and doubt and discouragement, what is the body of Christ to do? I can tell you what the body of Christ is to do. We're to take up our towels. Brothers and sisters in Christ, get your towels ready. Brothers and sisters in Christ, go find someone with some stinky feet and let's start cleaning them. 
How do we do this? Practically how? By searching for needs in the body and doing everything we can to meet them. By smiling and welcoming even the, to the smelly and the messy. By calling and texting even to the unfriendly and arrogant. By serving in ministries that aren't the most prestigious. By reaching into our community to the hungry, hurting, sick, and dying. Maybe you're not capable anymore of doing what you once did as a foot washer. But I want to encourage you today. God can still use you. God has given you. If you are still on this earth, you're still breathing. God still has a job for you. My friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe God can use your resources to encourage other believers. He can use you as a servant with your, all of your resources, with whatever resources you can share, empowering someone else to serve. I praise God, and I, and I really do. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir on this one because there's so many people in this church that serve so well. I'm looking at a congregation of foot washers, and my encouragement today is don't stop. Keep washing feet. Keep bringing your towel to church. Take your towel to this community. This is near and dear to my heart because... Uh, I'll close with this. When I graduated Bible college some 20 years ago almost now, I, I love this because the institution I was part of, every single person that walked across that stage, and I will bring it. I meant to bring it here this morning. I have a towel that means a ton to me. It's in my study. And it's a white towel that says, Be Great, Serve. Every person that walked across to get a diploma was also given a towel that was hung over their arm. Ministry is not about figuring out who's the best and the biggest and the baddest. Ministry is about taking up our towel and following the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God, that's the prayer of our hearts today. Show us how we can serve. Show us needs that we can meet by your grace. And as you show us, not us let us not be too arrogant, too proud, I want to thank you, God, for the, so many in this body that serve so well. And I pray your grace that you would continue to help us to make waves in this community by how we serve each other. Friends, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, however you'd like to pray this morning as we close out this service, would you do two things with me right now as we close out in prayer? Would you simply Thank God that you've been washed. Washed by the blood of the Lamb. Cleansed from the inside out. I fully acknowledge that there's some in here that could not pray what I just prayed, uh, stated. You have not been washed from the inside out you have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Friend, would today be that day? In just a minute, we're going to close with an anthem of prayer, a call of dependence on God. Lord, I need you this week. If God is pulling on your heartstrings right now to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, would you respond? 
or maybe some more thinking and praying that needs to go into this. And maybe this afternoon you need to call on Jesus to save your soul, to clean your heart. But if God is pulling on your heartstrings as we sing this song, there are going to be some, some friends, some body members here that are going to be standing at the front, to the sides. If you want to pray with someone to help lead you to know that you can be a follower of Jesus Christ, be cleansed from the inside out, I would encourage you to do that today. They'll remain there after we dismissed. Come and find them. I would love to talk to you myself. Don't delay on that. Lastly, would you pray with me this simple prayer? For those who have come to Jesus Christ in faith, repentance, would you pray that God would give you grace to take up your towel? This week. I'm going to tell you, one of the hardest places to take up your towels where many of us are going to go right after this to our homes to serve our family members. Then where we're going to go tomorrow morning to work. Would you pray that God would give you the grace this week to take up your towel? Oh God, we thank you for the exhortation from your word today. How practical it is that our Lord and Savior is King of kings and Lord of lords, but our Lord and Savior is a foot washer. Thank you. Please continue to remind us of this through the week. Thank you for your goodness and your grace and your kindness to us. And now we call to you in a song of dependence. Lord, we need you. And I pray that this would come from hearts of gratitude and hearts of worship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.